I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3 Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. The nation's capital was in cleanup mode Monday after a devastating storm rolled through the region. A pair of tornadoes touched down on Friday, snapping trees like twigs, tossing cars and destroying homes and businesses in Ottawa and Gatineau. We talked to two journalists who were on scene about the devastation, the cleanup, and how the city has rallied. Elizabeth Payne and Tom Spears are journalists with the Ottawa Citizen and have been covering the tornado since it touched down on Friday. So what is the latest on the aftermath of the storm? Uh, Today, Ottawa, it's funny, the power is beginning to come back on. Things are beginning for those outside the devastation zones to return to normal. But the city is almost shut down. Schools are closed. They've asked people to stay home from the weekend. Street lights, 400 street lights were off. So it's it's really clean up, clean out freezers. And for people in the devastation zones, it's sort of get in and assess and start to do some work, take trees off houses and that sort of thing. Now, is it a situation where in some areas it still might not be the safest to go digging through destroyed homes or people being told to stay away or are people being let back to kind of see what's left of their lives? Uh, very much being told to stay away in some areas. I was in Gatineau, the city right across the river from Ottawa today. Uh, there's a, a, a little pocket there. It isn't. It doesn't look like much on the map. It's only a few square blocks, but it's Uh, four-story apartment buildings just cheek by jowl and they really got clobbered a lot of them have lost their roofs and top stories walls are leaning over sideways they're uninhabitable and they will have to be demolished and they all have red tape across them where a a structural engineer has said it's not safe to go in no you can't go back and get your possessions but people are doing it anyway now tom was the the devastation greatest across the river in gatineau um no, I wouldn't say so. It was greatest in a, a little village west of Ottawa called Dunrobin, where a number of homes were just completely flattened, just mm-hmm. right down to the ground, not not a stick left standing. Um, it's patchy around the city. Uh, it, it, I guess the tornado sort of touched down and then dissipated a bit and then reformed and touched down again somewhere else. So some places got hit very hard uh, on this Gatineau Street with the apartments. Um, everything on one side of the street lost their roofs and and walls and everything on the other side of the street is okay minus a few shingles is there an early uh tally of how many buildings were destroyed buildings and homes now, yesterday the city said 51 buildings would be either totally destroyed or pretty serious structural damage um there were many more homes damaged or affected in the two up to 2000 or so i think but of the ones that were were smocked really it's 51 i think Sorry, I was just going to say in Gatineau, um, on, on one street I counted 14 apartment buildings in a row. They'd be eight units each, so there's over 100, and, and all those people lost. Uh, block over the same thing again, probably more, and then another street running on on up a hill with, with more again. So, so several dozen small apartment buildings uh, that are uninhabitable and will have to be demolished. Wow. And Elizabeth, is there uh, a number of how many people are still without power? Oh, what is that number now? Tom might have to tell me. It's gone down it, a great deal too. It keeps changing. At the peak, it was 187,000 customers. So that's buildings, basically, stores, houses, whatever. I don't know what it's down to now. It, it'd be in low thousands now. Yeah, today, overnight was the big 
turning on power and getting power to neighborhoods that have been out since Friday night. So generally by Sunday night, a lot of the city got their power back. There's still areas that don't. Yeah, my power came on a couple of hours before the sun came up and I sort of opened one eye and it seemed bright and it took me a minute to figure out what was going on. <laughs> um, is there an early damage tally, not in terms of number of buildings, but in terms of dollars? Or is it still too early to say the the final cost of this storm? I have not heard a number yet. Uh, as recently, they were talking about numbers of buildings and things, and the insurance people are getting into it. But no, there's not a, a dollar figure I've heard yet. Okay. So, Tom, you were in the office Friday evening when uh, things broke here. What Can you run me through what Friday night was like? Well, we knew there was a tornado watch out, and then they said tornado warning, which is a little more serious. And we knew it was going to be a windstorm and maybe some thunderstorms. And I could, I like watching the weather radar, so I could sort of see the storm coming in. It looked like any other summer storm. Um, and then we got a phone call from one reporter who was off duty, but he said, I just saw a bunch of uh, fire trucks and ambulances go past, and he gave me the intersection. Uh, I wasn't able to raise the, the paramedic service. And then um, slowly, uh, we started getting rumors that maybe a tornado had hit this neighborhood called Dunrobin. And finally, um, we got a Twitter message from the paramedic service saying, yes, a suspected tornado is down out there. Um, too soon to say about injuries. And, and at that point, I wrote a, probably a two or three sentence long story saying exactly that. And it just grew and grew from there as we got bits and pieces through the evening. Okay. And how long did this all last? Uh, the the tornadoes themselves, I mean, it, it, the first one in Dunrobin was around 5 p.m. on Friday. Uh, there were two tornadoes. The first one was the stronger one with winds in the 260-kilometer area. The second one came about 6 p.m. and hit the sort of western part of the city, had, had sort of touched down in other places. In each place it touched down, it lasted for a matter of minutes. Um, but, yeah. Now, after the storms had passed, I understand both of you were out at, at various scenes um, reporting on this story. Elizabeth, what can you tell me about what you saw or what people on the ground were saying to you? Well, on, on the weekend, um, we, of course, were all working um, in our building at the Citizen with an emergency backup generator, a few lights, and uh, running out of power, but... Um, and uh, people had headed out to the Dunrobin area where, of course, we knew there was bad damage, but, but there was also an area not too far from the Citizen Building on the west end of the city, Old Nepean. And as you go down a main road called Greenbank, there were a, a half a dozen or so power lines just snapped over like, you know, matchsticks. And at one point they were snapped on and had tilted a truck that was then leaning on a car that were obviously in them. When that happened, and the neighborhoods, as you drove through, it was a beautiful day on Saturday. People were just getting up, and there were dozens and dozens of people walking around with their mouths open. These houses with no roofs, with you know windows smashed, with trees down, um, just close to the citizen. And then people started saying, "You have to go to Arlington Woods, which is the other side of this main drag." Uh, Arlington Woods is a, a suburban neighborhood that was built 40 years ago or so and is known for having this 150-year-old 
white pine forest that is, I have heard, just stunning. It no longer exists. It was just completely obliterated, just flattened, so that wow. the neighborhood is just uh, trees in people's living rooms. One went through a wall and it pierced a pillow on a bed. Uh, just dozens and dozens and dozens of these trees down. And it was just, it, it really was, I kept saying it smelled like Christmas and it was such a happy smell. It was such a devastating sight to see. Um, I will never forget it. In Gatineau, where I was, um, if you can imagine, you know, when somebody's doing a major renovation and there's a dumpster full of old construction rubble outside, they've torn out all two by fours and chunks of drywall and stuff. Just take a bunch of those dumpsters and scatter them all over the road and then cut the roofs off all the buildings. And that's what this Gatineau neighborhood looked like. Just just rubble everywhere. And that was today after, after it had been cleaned up some. Um, the other thing is dozens of Hydro-Quebec trucks are in there. They're putting up new hydro poles, uh, stringing new cable. It looks like one of the, the old hydro mega projects of, of decades past. But it is reconstruction starting. And then today, just this this long series of people getting picked up. It's moving day in that neighborhood now. Nobody expected it, but they're all there with their bags of possessions. It's, it's really very sad, and it's, it's not a well-to-do neighborhood. They don't have a lot to take with them, um, but they're getting friends and taxis and things like that to come and pick them up as they all go off to um, friends, relatives' houses, wherever they're disappearing to. Have either of you uh, seen uh, a scene like this before? No, I I actually went to high school in Illinois, which is a place where tornadoes are well known. I have seen rip build roofs ripped off buildings and things, but I've never been there to see. This is like footage you see out of the southern U.S. Out of after a tornado rips through, it really was unbelievable. Yeah, and the the really weird thing for me is looking at some of these buildings where you're looking up at the top story. And you, you're looking in the window and then out through the roof, so it's blue sky everywhere. And you think, how did those people get out? And yet somehow they did. I don't know how. And I think what may be surprising to a lot of people is that the number of injured isn't very high. And as of right now, there are no fatalities. No, that actually is stunning. There's there are two people in critical who remain in critical. I think um, there were maybe a handful who were hospitalized, um, others with minor injuries. Uh, in Gatineau side, they said a lot of people went in for broken bones. But yeah, it is pretty stunning. I mean, I talked to a man who was driving home during the storm to his house that was just you know, just destroyed, and half a dozen trees toppled on top of it. And he said as he drove, he had a he had a dent in the side of the car where a tree pushed his car sideways and then two giant trees fell beside it but missed the car. You know, it's kind of astonishing. No one was badly injured. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media Digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. Now, all all tornadoes are, are fairly serious storms, but how big was this? Uh, on the ranking scale of tornadoes? The, there were two. So the Dunrobin one was an F3, and they're saying a heavy F3 with winds up to 260 kilometers an hour, and it's 
I don't think one has ever been seen at that level in this late in the season. It's unusually late. The second one was slightly smaller. It was an F2 up to 230 kilometers an hour, apparently. So, yeah, there were big there were big tornadoes. And I think this would be the worst, the biggest tornado that's hit a major city since Edmonton way back in 87 as well, just doing a bit of research before we recorded this interview. Um, do you get the sense that people had enough warning to take cover that may have led to a low injury total? Like, what was the response like um, from the people uh, and from emergency services? Uh, I'm waiting to hear from the alert-ready folks, actually, about how they think their system worked, because many people don't get, I mean, there is the system where you, you know, you hear the phones beeping off, there's a tornado warning, um, that you get them on TVs, but not everyone gets them. In fact, my phone, for whatever reason, doesn't. I think perhaps one of the bigger issues might be that people aren't so used to them and don't take it as seriously. I think there was a lot of that. I did talk to people who were looking at their window and then went, holy man, and ran into their basement just at the last minute. But yeah. Of all the people I've spoken to in in both neighborhoods that were the hardest hit, nobody felt there was any warning at all. they didn't seem to be blaming anyone, but every single one of them said he or she was just taken completely by surprise when it hit. How common is it to see a tornado roll through the Ottawa region? I know um, I have friends in Toronto, and I I tend to see a lot about uh, tornado warnings uh, down that stretch of Ontario, but how common are storms like that in Ottawa? Not. Um, we do get the tornado watches and sometimes warnings almost any time you see a thunderstorm. You know, any time the forecast says there's a heavy thunderstorm coming, they will say such storms can also lead to tornadoes. Uh, but in, in fact, um, if you try to count up the number that actually happened, it's, it's very small indeed. Hmm. Now, last year in Ottawa, there were uh, devastating floods and following that incident, the city had commissioned um, a report to try and look into its emergency response. Um, How did the city fare this time, do you think, in responding to the storm? I think it's, I mean, I think it'll be one of the aftermath things that is looked at more closely. Um, I would say, I think the response was pretty solid, actually. Uh, hydro uh, crews, we've, they've had help. They've worked overnight. Um, they've really done a lot of uh, reconstruction. One of the major higher, uh, hydro stations in town was got a direct hit, so that was a real problem. Um, I think the messaging, they were, doing, uh, they were doing press conferences with emergency folks uh, both ends of the day, sometimes in parks and communities that were blacked out. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, I, I, I thought it was actually quite impressive. One of the, the hydro boss here mentioned, um, people, uh, people were hugely grateful for the work being done and there were boxes and boxes of Tim Hortons left where the hydro workers were working. So there was, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of gratitude, I think in the city for, you know, for the help being done. Um, what is the response being from the the feds or the province? Have uh, has the prime minister been to the scenes, or is the premier Doug Ford been to Ottawa to survey the damage yet? 
Yeah, the prime minister has not been to the scene. Um, the premier, um, the Ford family in Toronto has a fairly well-known Ford Fest on Saturday. So he, he didn't make it on Saturday, but he got here on Sunday, um, toured some of the damage. Um, and, you know, they've offered emergency funding for people, uh, offered support, um, you know, and moral support. Uh, so, so, yeah, he's, he saw quite a lot of the damage. Okay. Uh, any statement or word from the Prime Minister about uh, coming to the scene? I'm not aware of that, actually. I, certainly a statement from him. Um, federal government was has been in touch with the city because they had asked people to work at home today. Various things were shut down just to keep people off the roads, but yeah. What's it been like for the rest of the city of Ottawa? Obviously, with storms like tornadoes, the damage can be quite localized. How has it affected others in the city or how has the rest of the city responded to people who lost property? Yeah, the, I mean, the areas were were pretty targeted, of course. That's the way tornadoes work. Um, one thing in this was that it was huge, widespread power outages for most of the weekend for most people, many people in the city. Um, up to a certain point, and then the city was kind of normal. But, uh, but people, uh, you know, there were... <laughs> lineups of 200 people at the few gas stations that were open or Tim Hortons that were open because uh, huge parts of the city had no no restaurants, no food, no power. Um, so they set, you know, some politicians in the south end of Ottawa and volunteers set up uh, these, they serve meals, three meals a day in Barhaven, which is in the south of the city where there's no power. There were individuals who were on Twitter saying, come to my house, you can charge, I'll make you food, I'll deliver it to your house. I mean, people actually really did step up um, and, yeah, survived. You know, it's not cold. It's a pretty decent time of year to be without power, but uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of damaged food <laughs> by the end of the weekend. And, uh, yeah. How much has government uh, business been interrupted with all of these federal workers being told to stay home? Well, the schools are all shut down today, and uh, I've been driving around, and it is the easiest driving I've had in Ottawa in 20-plus years of living here. Um, it, it, the streets are empty. Uh, I suppose there's probably somebody working somewhere, uh, but it's, it's, it's not a busy day in the government. Okay. Well, I guess all told, it, it could have been a much worse disaster. I think it's uh, positive that despite the damage that there weren't uh, more people hurt or anybody uh, killed. Uh, Elizabeth, Tom, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what else is happening. On Monday, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer outlined his plan to get the Trans Mountain Pipeline built more quickly. The plan, he says, involves invoking constitutional powers, enacting legislation to protect the pipeline from a second NEB assessment, and ban foreign funds from being used to interfere in regulatory hearings. And Dellen Millard has been convicted of murder for the third time. Millard, previously convicted in the murders of Tim Bosma and Laura Babcock, was convicted of killing his father, Wayne. A judge ruled that Millard shot his sleeping father in the head. At the time of the killing, Dellen Millard had stood to inherit his father's multi-million dollar aviation company. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.